So Hebrews 5.13. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. Verse 14. But solid food is for the what? Mature. Whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters and they have been adequately trained by what they have done what? Experience. To emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and what is what? Harmful. Harmful. All right. So I want you to think about um, it is um, as we've been going through this and we can get ahead knowledge. But what needs to awaken is what God's already done on the inside so that it overflows and then it tells the mind what's really happening. Does that make sense? So we need to believe truth. We need to believe truth of what Jesus really says has already, 2,000 years ago, already established. When he says it is finished, it is finished, right? To tell us that it is finished. It means it was done. He done away with the old order. He done with the old way of lifestyle. That everyone that comes after him is brand new. That everyone comes after him is in his lineage. Everyone that comes after him is a son, right? So therefore we've been born again into this new nature, right? Kainos nature is the Greek word there, kainos nature. And so that nature is like him. Just like him. Well, he did a lot of things here on this earth, right? And it's not even talking about what he did on this earth. It's saying after resurrection. Resurrection power in you, right? It's saying all of it is in you. Regened. You've been regened. Okay, and we talked about that. That that weothesia ceremony where you have been adopted and been regened. It's not just on legal papers, but it actually something took place on the inside of you and you've been regenerated, regened into this new person. All right? And so we got to come into that maturity of that, which means according to this passage here and many others that you know we've been talking about over the last year, says that it comes and constantly grows with knowledge. But that knowledge is more than a head knowledge. It comes through experience. And in that, you become mature sons. So one of the things we looked at last week was this word thelema in the, in the Greek. And that word simply was to mean that God's desire is depending on your response for fulfillment on this earth. Right? We looked at the other word, belima, which means God's purpose and will will be established because his word does not return void. It goes out, right? But there's a lot of times that word is dependent on the philema, Greek word, is that it depends on the people of God to respond to the word of God for it to actually come to pass. It will come to pass eventually, but we can slow it up or we can speed it up. (laughs) Slow it down or speed it up. It's up to us, right? And we talked about that last year. Went back and looked at a Christmas message that we did here, and we, looked, we talked about that. We looked over. You can go back and go to the podcast if you want to, but go back and listen to it about how it was established 2,000 years ago, right? And that it took 4,000 years for it to be established here on this earth, right? Because why? It needed the people of God to come into alignment with it, Right? And so we, Peter says, we can speed up the day of the coming of the Lord. He says we can speed it up. The bride of Christ could speed it up. 
So when we look at the world, we don't say, well, the world's going to hell in the handbasket, so I know he must be coming soon pretty quick. I look at it and say, man, the church got to hurry up and rise up. That's my response because that's the response of the Word of God. But we want to cop out. We want to say we don't have responsibility, and we want to say, well, that's, he needs to hurry up and come and slap all the Democrats out of here, and we'll be ready to go, right? That's our... Southern heritage, trying to get in the way of what God's trying to establish here on the earth. Then we looked at Malachi chapter 3 last week of the refiner's fire. And we talked about whenever you go to a refiner and he's working on the silver, he's working on that metal, and he sticks it into the fire and he's working that metal over and over and over. And when does he take the metal out? When does he know that the metal is ready? When he can what? See his face. And so we are being refined every day. Every day we are being refined because according to Romans chapter 12, we are living sacrifices, holy and pleasing, acceptable to him. Then we will know what our actual purpose he is here on this earth. And we gave a list of things last week to look at, to what we could put on the altar of the fire that needs to be burned out of us so that we become the mature sons looking like we look into the mirror face to face and see Christ Jesus and that the world sees Christ Jesus. And so we looked at how do we keep that fire burning? And then we ended with what is our model? Heaven is our model. What is on heaven must become to this earth. Bring heaven here, right? Because heaven is all God's presence centered. Everything flows from his presence. And so everything that we do should flow from presence. As we are in presence, as we are in face-to-face proximity, that word pros in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 really talks about us being that face-to-face, that that Jesus was the word, he was with God, it was God. That word with is pros, meaning they were face-to-face, mouth-to-mouth. You couldn't separate them. They are identical. And that's what he's brought you into, John chapter 17, union with the Father. Now, just as Jesus is in union with the Father. Just as. Same. Not like Jesus and God got this thing on and on, and sometimes y'all get to participate. No, same. Same relationship, same love, same face-to-face encounter. Okay? So this is the upside-down kingdom. So I just want to kind of build on last week. Um, and continue to, to give us tangible things that we, as a one, as a cor- corporate gathering, but also as an individual throughout your week that you could build on. So the upside down kingdom, that conflict is steadily in our mind because it goes opposite of the nature of the world. Right? It goes opposite of the nature of everybody we're going to work with, probably a lot of our family that we're dealing with. Right? And Jesus, whenever he comes on the scene, he was like, most of you, you know, it's going to bring... It's going to bring children against their parents sometimes, right? It's going to. Why? Because you're choosing something that doesn't make sense to the world. It's not going to be common sense. It's the upside-down kingdom that whenever I bow low, Jesus says, then you will be exalted. (laughs) Right? It's that whenever I give from a generous heart and I'm thinking, man, I can't be thinking, oh, well, I'm going to be out of money soon. No, it's the one, it's the giver that's constantly giving. He's the one that's going to actually receive. It's the upside-down kingdom. It's the opposite, right? 
And so we need to be flexible. Jesus says, come as a child. We have to be flexible. Children are like sponges, ready to, to, to take in, right? And a lot of times, like I work in education, so I'm working with teachers a lot of times, and want to blame the kids. You can't blame the kids. They're only doing whatever they've been taught. They're only doing whatever they've been absorbing, right? And so their flexible minds, they're all over the place, number one. They're going to this house over here, this house over here, and they got a mom over here, and a daddy over here, and a granny over here, and everybody trying to take care of them, right? And so they got all these voices trying to tell them what's right and what's wrong, and every one of them is different because they all got different opinions, right? And opinions don't mean squat. And Jesus says we have to become like a child to be able to do that. So one of the things we want to look at today, one of the hardest things to do, yes, give, you receive. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's hard for some of us, especially if God says, now I want you to, now we've been working on this. You gave $100 here. You gave $50 here. Now I'm asking you to step out on faith, give a car. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's a big deal, right? And that sometimes can get hard. But if you've been honoring him in the small things, the big things, you're just going to be like, hmm. he never starts you off with a car, by the way. Because <laughs> we're trained in the kingdom. We're constantly being flexible and being open to kingdom. But one of the hardest things is, is to come like a child, especially for adults, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, you think about the rich, the rich man that asked Jesus about that. You know, he didn't tell anybody else, or in that whole, in that whole crowd to go give away everything he had. You know, but he did. He was telling them what didn't make sense, <laughs> right, to him, and he wanted to hold on to that, right. And so you're right. A lot of times it's. It don't make sense. It's the upside down kingdom. It does not make sense. Um, go with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Look at verse 14. Actually, let's go back to 13. The parents kept bringing their little children to Jesus so that he would lay his hands on them and bless them. But the disciples kept rebuking and scolding the people for doing it. What was disciples doing? What was their mindset? What's their mindset for them to rebuke that? To say, don't do it. What are they thinking? Huh? Insignificant. Okay. What else? They're little. They don't, it don't matter, right? We're the old people. We're the what ones? Mature ones. What does Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 say that we're supposed to be coming? Mature sons of God, right? So... They don't think that they are the mature ones. They think that they are the mature ones because they are older, so therefore they must be more what? Mature. And Jesus makes a huge statement here by telling them, nope, that's not how my kingdom operates. That's not how my kingdom operates at all. In fact, verse 14 says, when Jesus saw what was happening, he made aware what the disciples were doing and what they're thinking. He became indignant with the disciples. What's indignant mean? 
a little flustered with him, ain't he? It's not that he was just like, ah, oh, guys. Like, he's like taking it what? Is he taking it serious? He's taking it very serious. Let all the little children come to me and never what? Hinder them. Don't you know? Now listen to this. God's kingdom exists for such as what? These. Listen to the truth I speak. Who do, whoever does not open their arms to receive God's kingdom like a teachable child. Not sometimes. Not 30%, not 10%. If you never open up like a teachable child, you will never enter the kingdom. Now, this is not talking about in the sweet by and by one day whenever you go to live forever and ever in heaven with granny, entering the kingdom. He's talking about kingdom now. He's talking about living kingdom life right now. And he says, if you never open yourself to be pliable, right? To be moldable, to be shaped like a child. And now, this is Mark chapter 10. His disciples have been with him for some time now. They've seen some things. They've even witnessed some miracles. They've experienced Jesus' teaching not only to the crowds, but personal teachings. Don't you think they should know more than everybody else? And he became indignant with his own disciples, not the crowds, became indignant with his own disciples because they were not the ones showing maturity. And he straightens them out by saying, guys, in other words, you can't figure, act like you always have it figured out. You should always be what? No matter what level you're at, no matter if you're my personal disciple in that inner circle with me, or if you're just like a little child, you should always be teachable and moldable. Ready to learn. Ready to grow. Now, stop and think about this for a minute. Think about religion. And I'm not even talking about Buddhism and all these other religions. I'm talking about just this one called Christianity that has so many sections and divisions in it. And every one of them have this list of things to say, if you're going to be a Baptist, these are the things that you're going to have to agree on. If you're going to be a Pentecostal, these are the things you're going to have to agree on. If you're going to be Assembly of God, you've got to agree on these. If you're going to be a Church of the Nazarene, you've got to agree on these. If you're going to be a Methodist, you've got to agree on these. And we got a million more, right? Catholic, so on and so on and so on. You've got to agree on these or you're not going to be part of it. And so we get close-minded when we grow up in that, especially like me, I grew up in that and was staunched in it and it had to be a certain way or you, you don't even talk to me about anything else. Right? And Bill and I was talking about this last week. It's like things that now God's teaching us and there are some things that we're like, whoa, I don't know about that. Aaron sent me something the other day and it was really interesting and I was like, man, this is really good. And then sometimes I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And, and I was telling Bill about that, and Bill said, isn't it funny how, like, you're like, Ugh, some things like two years ago, and then now you, you're teaching them? <laughs> because you always got to be open. You can't be so headstrong that you have a dogma that leaves God out of the whole equation. <laughs> but be teachable. 
because Jesus was about to show them a lot of things that was about to rock their minds. And a Jewish tradition of thinking they had it all right. And they missed Jesus himself. They missed him because of their dogma, because of their headstrong thoughts and opinions. Now, go back to John chapter 1, what we just mentioned earlier. John chapter 1, in the beginning, the living expression was already there, verse 1. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together face to face in the beginning. And through this creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. A fountain of life was in him. For his life is light for all humanity. And this light never fails to shine through darkness. Light that darkness could not overcome. Who's it talking about? Who are you talking about? Jesus. And then suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God, a messenger named John. Who was that? John the Baptist. Not the John writing this. For he came as a witness to point the way to the light of life to help everyone do what? Believe. To help everyone do what? Believe. Not obey a bunch of rules. Believe what his message says. John was not that light, but he came to show who he is, which was Jesus. For he was merely a messenger to speak the truth about the light, for the perfect light of truth was coming into the world and shine upon everyone. This is what Christmas is all about. This is what we're celebrating during this time of the month when we're putting up our trees and we're putting up the lights and we're doing all that. This is what we're celebrating, that light has come and it has overcome the darkness. The only reason that dark is even prevailing is because light has not got there yet and we are the light of the world. Keep going. Verse 10. He entered into the world he created. Think about this next phrase. Yet the world was unaware. And I'm telling you this morning, he has entered into your life. Revelation chapter 3 says he is at the door knocking. Knocking. That is not for salvation. That is not a salvation scripture whatsoever. It is to the believers that says, I'm already here. I've made rooms upon rooms upon rooms of mansions on the inside of you. And I am waiting for us to explore them together. Now. Not later. Now. Like we twisted that scripture to say God's got this mansion for you up in the sky. We sing the old hymn, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And then somebody will say, well, I, I, I'll just be satisfied if he just gives me old shack up next to that mansion. You missed the whole point. He's not even talking about that. He's talking about the kingdom within. He's talking about I built mansions on the inside of you and rooms ready to explore every day with you, even at night. While you're asleep, I'll visit you in the night and we will explore and we'll do all these great things together. And I will come to you and you will be in me and I will show you the way. And he entered into the world. He's entered into our lives. And it says, and yet the world was unaware. How many times do we even give, gather corporately whenever Jesus says we're two or three or more gathered in my midst? There I am in the midst also. And how many times do we gather together full of our agendas, ready to go eat, ready to go do this, ready to go. I got all these things on my schedule. And we miss that he was even in the midst. 
It had nothing to do with the band. It had nothing to do with the lights were on or off. It had nothing to do if we had words today or not. It had nothing to do if we did something for the kids today. It had nothing to do with if Brian had a good message or not. It simply had to do with, are we aware? Intentions. Intentions. And then he says, he came to the people he created, to those who should have received him. They should have. They should have known. They should have been able to see it. But they didn't recognize him. (laughs) Why? Closed-minded. They already had it built up in their mind based off of Scripture what he was supposed to look like, and he didn't look like it. How much have we indoctrinated into our minds that we've said it has to look like this? It has to be a cute little church on the corner with a nice kids program and a steeple because Brent knows better. And if you don't have that, then God ain't in it. And we miss him. Miss him entirely. Oh, we'll build great big buildings. We'll have resources out the wazoo and waste them on ourselves and call it ministry. And we miss him altogether. Verse 12, but those who embraced him and took hold of his name, he gave authority to become what? Children of God. Who did what? Simply believed. Just simply believe. And he will give you this childlike faith. It's his faith we're operating out of anyway. How did he even come into this world that we celebrate at Christmas? How did he enter into this world? Not as everybody thought. Not with fanfare. Not government run. Not trying to set up a kingdom at the, at the, um, at the kingdom so he can have this big palace and just set it all up and just do away with all the Roman guards and everything else. He didn't do it that way. He came as a baby. Came as a little baby that would we would behold with childlike faith. He came as a child to be molded by his father as he grew, and then that faith that he displayed on the earth, he gave it to us. It's his faith. What kind of faith? Childlike faith that says, I'll do, only do whatever daddy says. I'll only do whatever I see daddy do. I don't care what you've been indoctrinated with. He's a real deal. And I will not, will not hold to your standards, but only what the Father says. Those who embraced him, who believed him, took hold of his name. He gave it hard to become children of God. He was not born by the joining of human parents or of natural means or by man's desire, but he was born of who? God. And so the living expression became a man, lived among us. We gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only. He came for the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. And John announced the truth about him when he taught the people. He's the one. He's the one I've been telling you to come, who would come after me, even though he ranks far above me because he existed before I was even born. And from the overflow, mm, overflow of his fullness, we, 
received grace, heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth, wrapped in tender mercy. Mm. No one ever before gazed upon the full splendor of God except his uniquely beloved son who is cherished by the father and held close to his heart. See that childlike faith? Now that he has come to us, he has unfolded the full explanation of who God truly, truly is. You see, we get caught up in so many things in religion. The two that I could think of when I'm writing these notes down, the two that I could think about the most, the one that I grew up in, and then the ones that my buddies that I was like, dang, that was pretty cool. One was, the one I grew up in was all about character. Better get your character right. Don't forget who you represent when you walk up to this house, boy. Right? Go on a youth trip. Don't forget who you represent. Don't forget the church you represent. And, and God too. Because we don't want to be embarrassed. God's not embarrassed. But we don't want to be embarrassed. And then the other was, was focus on power. And so you had these gifts that were operating. But then I would see the character of that person. And I was like, well, we must be better. Because... I mean, his character does not follow, but I mean, yeah, but are they even lying about that? Maybe he, you know. And so one is not better than the other. It's just that we put a focus on one or the other, and we never became pliable to become both, which was be a son of God. Got one over here. They won't listen to the fivefold ministry. You got this one over here that says, as long as I got this gifting, then I must be okay. And one was never supposed to supersede the other. And I wrote these. This is to clarify real quick on the side note if you want to take notes. But Ephesians 4.30 is talking about grieving the Holy Spirit, and that's talking about character, where it's like a relationship. Not that God's happiness depends on our behavior, that's not what the greed there means. But the greed there means talking about a relationship almost if, as, as a husband and wife. Whenever you know that I got this offer to you, why would you choose something else? Kind of greedy. The other one was 1 Thessalonians 5.19 where it talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. So we can grieve him or we can quench him. And the quenching part was we stop the flow is what quench meant. Stop the flow of the power. Right? And so we are commanded to never do either or. Right? But the problem is we get in these ranks and we get in these divisions of Christianity and we say it's either all about this or it's all about this. And we can't have one without it. They should be blended. Mindset. Right? We grew up and it has to be this way. Right? So we have to be pliable. We have to be like the fire. We talked about last week, the refiner's fire, where he sees his face in the, in the metal. You have to be like the old wineskins that were heated up so they could expand because it, you, can't, you can't put any more in the, in the thing. So the new wineskin had to be heated so it would expand to be able to receive the new wine, right? And so all those things are what we're talking about here to be pliable for that. Now look at Matthew chapter 5. What we just saw in, in, in Mark chapter 10... 
is to come like a child, you do what with the kingdom? You remember? You receive it. You receive the kingdom. Now look at this one in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. Hmm. So here, not talking about receiving the kingdom, but here we possess and actually advance the kingdom. When what? When we realize it's not us, it's him in us. When we realize it is us that cannot make it happen, right? When we go to pray for the sick, when we go to lay hands on somebody, it is not us, right? We don't put the focus on us. We just know that he is in us, and we know that we got to get him to wherever that need is. And he says, you will possess and advance that kingdom. All right? So listen to this quote by Bill Johnson. What you know can keep you from what you need to know. Now listen to this. What you know can keep you from what you need to know if you don't remain a novice. Meaning it needs to be new to you all the time. Learning. Right? Goes back. Our conversation I was talking about last week with Bill. There are things that I didn't even dream possible four years ago. That now, I don't teach as much on Sunday nights, but we are going deeper on Wednesday nights with you. That I had no clue even existed. Right? Had no clue. And probably would have said, ah, that's a heretic. <laughs> Until my opinions went to experience. So the more I learn, the more I learn I don't know anything. Right? Right. More. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And not to, yeah. Or go to seminary and think, well, I got everything I need, you know. Um, to think about, therefore, opinions based off of that. Think about opinions, right? So I could have this opinion. Just, just go with this thought. I could have the opinion that <clears throat> if I touch a hot stove, it'll never burn me. Right? I could have that opinion. And if I live my whole life and never touch a hot stove, I'll be convinced that I'm right my whole life. <laughs> but when I touch that hot stove, wisdom all of a sudden is in, implanted into my brain. Quick. <laughs> I can have an opinion that signs and wonders died. And as long as I never put myself out there to lay hands on the sick... I'll convince myself that that opinion is true. I can have an opinion that you can't really see God or hear from God in the quiet place and have visions and dreams. And as long as I never put myself in that place to be able to do it and live my whole life like that, I'll be convinced that I'm right. And that everybody that says anything against it is wrong. No matter how many times they say they've experienced it, I will have the opinion that they are wrong. Because I never experienced it. 
but go back to Hebrews 5, 13 to 14. How do the mature, how are they becoming mature? Through what? Experience. And you never get wisdom without the experience. You can have opinions all day long. And we can have a head knowledge based off of, man, we all come from different backgrounds in here. We all come from different people's opinions that we formed our own opinion. But you got to get yourself to be in the fire. Just like we talked about last week. And when you get in the fire, you're going to become pliable and you're going to become childlike, able to be taught truth. And then be able to recognize truth, not be like Pilate who stood before Jesus and says, what is truth? And Jesus never said a word but looked him square in the eyes. You're looking at it. Yeah. Together. So and that's only going to be Go going by a relationship with Christ yeah. and not a relationship with the religious part of the church. That's right. And so many people mistake a religious part of a church you know, as their relationship with Christ. Yeah. That's their only experience of the relationship. That's right. It's not even a relationship with, no. the, with the Word, no. with the Bible. Yeah. It's a relationship with Him directly because they don't to Him. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. <clears throat> so based off of their conversation, if you could hear them, um, we're actually going to look at those scriptures that back up what they just said. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, so that you see that that wasn't just an opinion, but they have figured that out through experience. Because I can guarantee you, five years ago, they, well, I don't know where Bill was five years ago, but I know where Brent was five years ago, and I know what his opinion was five years ago. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but what? Partial. Our knowledge is what? Partial. Even our prophecies. But when love's perfection arrives, who is love? The partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and set aside my childish ways. Now, is that a contradiction to what Jesus was saying? Now, Paul here is talking about the other childish ways. So Jesus is talking about come as a child where you're pliable where you can learn, where you don't have these dogmas set up, like the disciples already had this dogma set up where they're not for us, they can't be here, um, they don't know as much as us, right? And what Paul's talking about here is the things that we had to spank them for. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Where I want my own way, right? So it still lines up with what he's talking about. So, again, then he says, For now, verse 12, we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror but one day we will see what pros face 
to face. My understanding is incomplete right now. But one day, I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. So when did he say completeness? Face to face. Then what does later Paul say in his life? We have now come what? Face to face. You have access right now. The access to face-to-face encounters does not have to wait until you die. You already died. Therefore, you are a living kainos, Greek word that it uses for that in the New Testament. Kainos being meaning a brand new resurrected being that cannot die. This is just flesh. Your spirit man never dies. And then your spirit man can regenerate even the physical things inside your body. It's possible. It's possible. Regenerate. Okay? New genes. Okay? Now, go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 6. He existed in the form of God, talking about Jesus, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. He existed in the form of God, yet gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, what did he do? He emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became what? Human, just like us. He humbled himself, became a vulnerable, became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest name of all. Again, bowed low, humble, does what? Exalted in the kingdom. It's the opposite. Right? It's the opposite of what we think. It's the opposite of what this world tries to tell you. Verse 10, the authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. All three realms. Every tongue will proclaim in every language. Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. So, he came to this earth. Again, Christmas season. What did he do? He came as a child. He came as a little baby. Babies do not judge, do they? We judge babies, but babies do not judge. He come as a what? He came as a baby. He also came as a baby needing care, meaning he depends on one another, meaning going back to the Greek word, thelema, that he speaks a word, and his word will come to pass, but he wants joint act wants joint participation for it to come to pass. So he came what as a baby so that what he can show that we work this thing together, that I'm depending on you. Think about that this Christmas season. He included you in that, in the form of a baby. 
And what else do babies do? They got to grow, right? Even Jesus had to grow. Look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Almost done with the introduction. Jesus said to them, why would you need to search for me? This is when Jesus, they were coming back, and all of a sudden Jesus is missing. Mary and Joseph can't find Jesus. How do you lose Jesus? We lose him all the time. Why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house, consumed with him? He said, didn't you know that he needed to be doing what? Consumed with his father. How is Jesus learning all this stuff so fast? Even greater than the rabbis that were in the temple at the age of 12. How is he learning all this stuff so fast? Where is he going? Presence. Presence. Mary and Joseph didn't fully understand what Jesus meant, though. A lot of times we don't either. Jesus went back home with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured Jesus' words deeply in her heart. And then it says what? As Jesus did what? grew so did his wisdom and so did his look at this key word maturity because he went to the best schools Mary sent him to a private school Mary sent him to the rabbi school it just gave you the key understanding of how Jesus was growing and how he was growing in wisdom and maturity. And how favor of men increased upon his life and greatly loved by God. How was it? He was consumed with his father. Consumed with him. How are we going to grow? We've got to get in that face-to-face encounter. How are we going to grow? Get in that face-to-face encounter. You can have an opinion all day long that that's not going to work that I need something else tangible, that I need God to come through for me right now, I need $1,000 by next week, all this kind of stuff. Get in the presence, see what happens. Get in the presence, see what happens. Jesus is in their presence. Did he worry about money? Did he say, God, if I got, I got to have $1,000, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. Is that what he said? Where are we going to get that money from? Open up that fish mouth, get that that money on out that fish mouth. How did he know that? Presence. It wasn't a magic trick. It's presence. Ephesians 4, 23. I really am almost done. Before you get worried that that was the introduction. 4, 23. Now it's time, when? Now, to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. Well, you can't get a revelation unless you get in that place. Just saying. And to be transformed as you embrace, be, be, do what? Trans what? Formed. You know, Damon brought out a point last week about the caterpillar. I loved it. So the caterpillar, when it went through that metamorphosis, it wasn't that he all of a sudden went from a caterpillar and then he was completely wiped away and now he's a butterfly. The genes to become a butterfly was already within the caterpillar. 
But when it was wrapped up in that cocoon, it went through that metamorphosis process, which brought the genes that was already in the caterpillar out to make it become the butterfly and grow its wings, which is what it was supposed to be from the very beginning. And there are things inside of us that God has already placed in us that we don't see it because we won't get in the cocoon. We won't get in the secret place. And those genes are already there and we're constantly saying, but I don't see it, I don't see it, I don't see it. You're not going to see it because you're still striving as a caterpillar. you got to get in the cocoon. And whenever you get in that place, he's going to be able to metamorphose, transform, this word says, you. As you do what, Paul says here? As you embrace the glorious Christ within. How are you going to be transformed into Jesus' likeness? It's not in the sweet by and by. It's not something hard. It's not even, he's not saying that you can't do it. He's telling you how to do it. He says it's available now and you get a chance to do that. How? Embrace the glory of Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. And you're going to be what? Transformed. Into what? His likeness. His likeness. For God has recreated you all over again. In his perfect what? Righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. In that place, you get to be transformed. Just like Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. You get to be transformed. James chapter 2, last one. James chapter 2, verse 19. Wait. Not verse 19. Let me go back. Let's go to, uh, it's, it's actually James chapter 1, verse 19. My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Again, being that pliable person. Be slow to become angry, for human anger is never a legitimate tool to provoke God's righteous purpose. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's Word, which has been implanted within our nature. So when we talk about, in this Christmas season, that God became flesh and dwelt here among us. It was the Word became flesh, meaning the Word is incarnation. So incarnate with you is He speaks a word to you and it becomes you. Okay? And so that's what He said. That Word's already been implanted. It's already in you. But it's got to be awakened. And how it becomes awakened and transformed is you're in that presence. Face to face. And it has the power to continually, 
Not just one time, continually deliver us. So he says, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. Going back to Paul's words in Ephesians, I mean in Hebrews, what? It comes through experience. That maturity is going to come through experience. So don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word. But then you go out and forget your divine origin. So in other words, he says, whenever you're in the Word, and where you're in His presence, because He is the Word of God. He is, he is the Word of God, right? So when you're in Jesus' presence, it's like it says, looking into a mirror, and you remember that something should awaken in you. What? The Word He's already planted in you that says this is who you are now. And whenever you're staring into His presence, into His eyes, he begins to awaken those truths on the inside of you and he begins to awaken it and you become transformed. But the way it's going to stick with you is that I go out away from that mirror and I do what he does. Now that's the kicker. That's why he's telling us in Hebrews 13, 5, 13, and 14 that it, maturity comes through experience. I can have this opinion, yes, that I look like him. I can have this opinion that he's made me like him. I can have this opinion that it's really in me, that I'm in him, that he's in me. But if I do not go out and live like I believe it, I'm not growing in maturity. I'm not seeing it take place. And I'm not being transformed from the inside out. Because then we've forgotten who we really are, which was our divine origin. Our divine origin. Verse 25, but those who set their gaze. Set means I'm in. I'm in. Like I'm not getting distracted, I'm in. He says, those who set their gaze deeply, deeply into the perfecting law of liberty. Who is that? Jesus. They are fascinated by and respond. You can't just sit there and do nothing. It comes with a response to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They, they are the ones that experience God's blessing in all, not in some things, in all they do. What's the model? Heaven. Because everything is present center. And then everything present center responds. And we are, as we are in his presence, respond by bringing that realm here. Heaven on earth. So again... How does that look for us? And sometimes, how does that feel? It feels like fire sometimes. It sometimes feels very hot. Because it gets us where we have become comfortable. 
Our comfort zone should be in his presence. And our comfort zone should be that we are responding to presence. But we have listened to the ways of the world and been trained by religion that that is not the comfort zone. And notice I didn't say trained by the world. I said trained by religion. Because most religion will tell you, you can't hear from God, you can't see God. Well, I thought the Old Testament says no one can look on his face and live. Well, it's a good thing we already died in Christ. And it's a good thing we were already resurrected to new life in Christ. See again, do you really believe what he said? Do you actually believe the words that he said? So that they become incarnate in your life. To where the words become flesh in you. It's his presence. It's his presence. So let's just bow for a minute. Just be quiet in his presence. To take three slow breaths. One of the things that we'll do on Wednesday night sometimes is just breathe in Yahweh. It's breathing Him. It's always believed in Hebrew tradition. You're breathing Yahweh. That it wasn't even a word, it was a breath. So we're just breathing Him in, becoming aware that He is here. He is tangible. face-to-face encounters. Not where I'm telling you what to do. Not where you're going to try to find somebody. All those are good and they are right in their own time. But in this moment, we just want the very presence of God to visit me as if no one else is in this room. Picture yourself in Revelation 3 and he says, I stand at the door of your heart. So what does that look like? That looks like for some of us to not open our heart to reject someone. You know how those people are at work that you just don't like? And they're really trying to tell you something. And they walk off and you try to think about what they tried to tell you and you realize, I didn't hear a word they said. You know why? Because you're not open to them. You don't really care what happens in their life. That's what that means to open your heart to someone. 
You talk about an intimate relationship with a husband and a wife who know one another, their thoughts, their desires, their hopes, their dreams, but then they even know them even closer than that behind closed doors. And the Father's inviting you to truly know Him. But you got to be open and believe. Believe that it's real. Believe that He wants to see and meet with you. Just ask you to stand, keep your eyes closed. I want you to just open your your arms as a as a physical way of saying I'm opening myself to you, Jesus, spiritually. It just kind of helps your mind with it whenever you do that. I just want you to listen to the words of the song as you focus that you're in His presence with open arms, and just listen to the words. yourself being expanded as you're on the altar. Being flexible.
Picture yourself being transformed in that cocoon. He's bringing out things that should have already been coming out. Things he's already placed in you that he wants to surface. Just begin to see yourself new. You've got to see yourself as new. See, the ugly duckling thought he was ugly because he, he compared himself to what he thought he was. And until he got into the swan family, he never found home, he never found hope for himself. He was ready to give up on life. That's who he was meant to be from the very beginning. And some of us have listened to the world, we've listened to parents, community, People we love, friends, tell us we are somebody different. Jesus says, I know what I've placed in you. I know what I've called you to be. Father, I pray fresh fire, fresh wind in this place today. Just to blow your wind of your presence over all of us here. And stir up in us. Stir up in his hearts. Seek after you. They want to be consumed by you. To get into that place where the world fades away. We are redefined in your presence. We are regened in your presence. Receive all that you have for us, Father. Everything and nothing less. May we be emboldened when we leave this place today with strength and courage that we go out of this place today with holy boldness to live out, to be mature sons, to be pliable. Everything we have it all figured out that we, we forget to listen. Remind us that we be not like James. That we forget who we look like. That you reminded us each and every time we look in the mirror, each time we wake up and when we go to bed. That we see what you see, Jesus. Help us to see what you see. Give us eyes. Give us a heart to understand. Set our hearts ablaze and let your light shine forth from this place. From everywhere that we step our foot, let light shine forth. As mature sons of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.